I love this gospel because we see two different people that are greeting Jesus, that are encountering Jesus, that are experiencing him. The first is Simon, the Pharisee, this house that he's invited to, that Jesus is invited to eat in and to sit in. And then we see this woman, this sinner, as the gospel says. And I just love to see how each of them treats Jesus. So it was custom that when a teacher would come to your house in the time of the Israelites, that when the teacher would walk in, the first thing you would do is wash his feet because everybody wore na'alit back then, right? They didn't have ferragamos, they didn't have these fancy shoes back then, and there's a lot of sand, there's a lot of dirt. And so when you would walk into a home, you would wash the teacher's feet. And then after you would anoint them with oil, you would give them a kiss. These were signs that this person coming into your home was someone important, was someone that you admired, and that's what Jesus was looking for in a sense. Not that he expected it, but this is what was customary at the time. So when Jesus walked into this house, this Pharisee's house, the Pharisee didn't do any of those things for Jesus. What happens is is this woman walks in and she does everything that the Pharisee was supposed to do. But the difference is, is this woman is a sinner. And the Pharisee is even shocked that Jesus would even let this woman touch him that he would even let this woman get close to him. And so this woman is in front of Jesus at his feet, weeping, literally wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, and literally giving herself completely to the Lord, humiliating herself in front of everybody. And Jesus is there in front of her, and Jesus receives her. He forgives her of all of her sins, and he says, go in peace. I just think this woman gives Jesus such a beautiful expression of love, a beautiful expression of devotion, that she recognized who Jesus was, whereas Simon the Pharisee didn't. She knew who Jesus was, and she treated Jesus as if he was God himself. She knew that Jesus was God. Now, as I've been praying with this, and really thinking about this, I've been thinking, why? What, what was different between Simon the Pharisee and this sinful woman? What was different? And I think the difference is this woman, who was a sinner, was completely broken, she was completely weak, and she had hit rock bottom. She hit rock bottom. And in that weakness, in that brokenness, it allowed her to run to Jesus and to love him with all of her heart to give herself completely over to him. Sometimes in our own lives, it's not until we are broken and weak when we learn that that's how we love Jesus best. It's not until we've hit rock bottom, it's not until we've hit this place in our life where we have nowhere else to go but up when we learn in that moment that we have to turn to God. Sometimes God is our only option And he remains our only option for our peace, for our freedom, and then that's when we turn to him. Especially in moments of weakness and brokenness. I can't tell you how many times as a priest I've heard people say, Father, I was so much closer to God when I was studying for my DAT. I was so much closer to God when I was studying for my MCAT. 
You know, I was so much closer to God when I was in school. Why is that? Because when you're in school, you have a need for him. You have that exam that you need to pray for. You have that boards that you need to take that you have to go to God for. And it's so easy in those moments to turn to God when we're in total need of him. I share that because we need to come to this place in our relationship with God where we are in constant need of God. Where we are constantly desperate for God. Because that's what the sinful woman shows. She shows how desperate she is for Jesus. How desperately she needs him. And where are we in that relationship with God? Is God someone that I am desperate for? Is he someone that I need every single minute, every single second of my life? Or is God just another option out there? Is he just another piece or another tool that I can use when I need him? We need to be in constant need of God. When I was praying about this, the Lord brought back a memory in my own life where he allowed me to be broken and weak in order to experience how much I really needed him and how much I needed to rely on him. In seminary, we're really blessed with uh, this 30-day silent retreat. And it's 30 days of silence, and somehow us Chaldeans do it miraculously, right? A Chaldean being silent for 30 days, miraculously it happens, okay? So what's beautiful about this retreat is you're only allowed to talk to one person every single day for those 30 days, and that one person is a priest, a spiritual director that you're assigned and that's the only person you're allowed to talk to for those, that entire retreat. And you're only allowed to talk to that priest for the time that's appointed for you to talk. Outside of that, there's no other talking. There's no other human interaction besides you and that priest. And so, as I was preparing for this retreat, all the seminarians that had been on it before told me that when we get to the retreat, they're going to assign you a priest. And they said, if you get this one priest... Make sure you switch, okay? They said, this one priest, you do not want him. He will ruin your retreat. So I just said, all right, Lord, let's see what happens. I show up to the retreat. We get into the first day. That first day, they're giving us instructions. They're telling us what we're about to do, what we're about to enter into. And a priest gets up there, and he's calling off all of the seminarians and who they're assigned to. So he's giving each seminarian the priest that they're going to have to talk to for the next 30 days, and that's the only person. And so they finally get to my name, and I get the priest that no one wanted, okay? God gave me the priest that no one wanted. And so I started meeting with this priest, and everybody was right. He ruined my retreat. For those first two weeks, I would go to spiritual direction, I was angry. I was annoyed. I was bothered. There came a point in my retreat where I would walk to spiritual direction crying. Crying. Because that's how broken I was. That's how weak I was. As I would go to this spiritual direction with this priest who literally didn't say a word to me. The only person I could talk to for 30 days barely spoke to me. It was hard. It was difficult. And there came a point in that retreat after those two weeks where I went in front of the Eucharist and I broke down in front of the Lord like this woman in the gospel. I broke down in front of him. 
I was the weakest and the most broken I'd ever been because on that retreat, God was bringing up so much trash that I had just pushed down. It was dark. It was difficult. And here I was sharing my difficulty and my brokenness with someone who really wasn't caring for anything I had to say. And so I broke down in front of the Lord. And I told him that I wanted to switch this priest, that if I had to continue with this priest, it wasn't going to happen, it wasn't going to work out, because I could not handle this for another two weeks. And the Lord, in that moment, spoke so clearly to me. He said to me, and I'll never forget this, he said, Perrin, your entire life you've been showered with love. Your entire life you've just been poured out with love. And for 30 days, I want you to experience what it's like to have no human love. I want you to experience what it's like to have no human love so that you can rely on my love and my love alone. That retreat changed my entire life. I stayed with that priest for the next two weeks. And after the Lord told me that, I went from crying, going to spiritual direction, to jumping and dancing for joy as I was going to spiritual direction. The priest never changed, but Jesus changed me. He changed my heart, he changed my mind, and he helped me to see that he gave me this priest so that I could be so broken and so weak so that in my brokenness and in my weakness, I only had one person to rely on and one person to turn to, and that's Jesus. Jesus. God allows this brokenness, God allows this weakness, like this woman in the gospel, so that we can rely only on him. And so wherever we are in our lives, we need to rely on him. We need to not get so put down because of our brokenness and weakness that we turn away from God, because that's very easy to happen in our brokenness and weakness, but learn to run to him in that. I ran to God those last two weeks, and I continue to run to him every single day of my priesthood, every single day of my life, because I know that I have so many people in life that can really show me love and give me love, but it's only the love of Jesus that fills me. It's only the love of Jesus that satisfies me. My brothers and sisters, if you haven't experienced that love, you're in the perfect place to experience it. You're in the perfect place to encounter it. We are about to encounter the very heart of Jesus on this altar. The heart of Jesus that has been pierced and crucified out of love for us. He loves us so much and he brings us into this church because he wants us to be filled with that love. He wants us to be intoxicated with his love. But the world tries to intoxicate us with so many other things that are other than him. And it's not until we allow him to be our substance, our intoxication, our very essence of who we are needs to be in him. And until we experience that, that's when we learn that relying on God is the only option we have. And so let's come to the Lord in this Mass as the woman did on our knees. Let's go to the feet of Jesus. Let's pour out our tears to him. And let's allow him to really experience our love for him. Because he loves us with all that he is. Amen.